Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning. I'm Karen. We're going to start off today with our show notes. Our April 27th Evening with Mediums event is sold out. Next in line is August 24th and December 14th. And there are still tickets available for both of those events at the website by sarlo.com. Sips of Sanity podcast show series is a second series that Kelly and I run, also found on the website by sarlo.com, and that is a short series. Those are usually about 10 to 12 minute shows. There's a series of them, the first of each month, Monday to Friday. We pick a topic and away we go for five sessions trying to educate you about something different in your life. I think that was the best summary of Sips of Sanity. Oh yeah? That didn't feel like a math jargon. That's good. Well done. I I love doing Sips of Sanity because I really believe that it gets inspired by treatments, by people asking questions, and we take those and turn them into that little mini series where we have a cluster of questions that talk about a particular situation or problem. Kelly and I offer personal sessions individually, and you can book appointments with either one of us at bysarlo.com. There is a form for you to fill out and then it comes to us by email. We email you back so that we can connect with you. Whether you're going to book an appointment by FaceTime, telephone, Skype, or in person, anywhere in the world. Okay, are we on to the show? Yeah, go right ahead. All right. So I was thinking, Kelly, that we could talk this morning to people about some of the life coaching that you've been doing lately. Yeah, I you brought the topic up a couple days ago, and I think I'm always hesitant because I feel like all the examples I bring to shows are from life coaching, and I know that you also let one of our months of Sips of Sanity be dedicated to life coaching. So we broke that down in terms of potentially why people would book sessions or what situation they might be in in their life that would provoke them to want or need a life coach, but you've also come up with some really great questions Uh, And I think from a potential perspective, client's perspective, but also from maybe a client as to why they want to continue coaching or why they might want to be leaving coaching, there are different perspectives to kind of address so that people can really understand if it's a good fit for them and when and why. Well, one of them that comes to my mind that I hear you talking about often is life coaching somebody through a divorce, through a change. A transition. Yeah, and some people think that a life coaching opportunity is when I'm in a crisis for my career. Mm -hmm. So this is a career opportunity only. And I think people miss out on the chance to think about life coaching in terms of, I don't know what I want to do with my life in terms of I'm 18 or I'm 17. How do I make choices when I don't even know who I am? Mm Mm-hmm. And then again, when I'm 30 or I'm 40 or I'm 23 and I'm going through a divorce and I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. So I see the people coming through the door or calling you to be asked good questions. Yeah. And I I think it's neat because transitions can be out of something or into something. And I don't think people necessarily think of it that way. So I have a current coaching client who wants to stay in her marriage but strengthen it. And the transition is actually into a kinder relationship with the same man. That's wonderful. She's identified that she is the abuser and that over time, he is now becoming an abuser because of receiving it. 
for so long. Oh, I totally get that. Because when you're receiving the abuse, you can go into withholding. You can go into avoiding. You can go into countering the person or diverting and changing the subject to defend yourself. And you don't realize that you're demonstrating and participating in four, I just named four, forms of verbal abuse right there. Mm -hmm. Because it can be a reflex for survival or what the brain perceives to be survival. So this is a this is an example of transitioning into something, right? Transitioning into a more healthy relationship. And I find it also interesting. Divorces are very expensive. I'm well aware of that. And I think a lot of people believe that your coach is technically your lawyer. And if they're a good lawyer, they should be doing a good job of coaching you in that aspect. And I remember you coming home with with um, checklists. Every time you met with Barb, she would have a couple more things for you to get done that week. She'd give you a deadline. You'd come back, have them done. She'd give you another checklist. And it was sort of a step-by-step process in walking you through a major life transition, but making it manageable. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what life coaching does. Oh, I like your analogy between the two. So that if somebody has gone through a divorce and has had a lawyer like that, that gave me lists of things to get done so that when I went back, there was no wasting of an hour. There was no wasting of time. She knew I didn't have the funds to waste it. You're saying the same thing. You recognize people don't have the funds to waste time. And I hope that people believe that their life is precious to the point where they don't want to waste time. Yeah, and your lawyer was someone that I really admired just in the way that she handled her practice. You're pointing out that she was well aware that she didn't want to waste your time. And what I saw is a woman who didn't want to waste her own time. Yeah. And I don't know, because I can't speak on her behalf, if she was looking at it from that perspective because of the years or the time that she'd put into her own career and just thought, I'm not taking on more work because she was transitioning at that point out of her career. Yeah. But she wasn't willing to take on more. She wasn't willing to bury herself in extras and then charge another person. And I think there's a mutual level of respect there, whether it's time or money. And those are the things that as a society, we are taught to value the most. (laughs) But we're not always taught to evaluate them, which Mm -hmm. I find interesting. So when I sit down with coaching clients or prospective clients, we talk about what time is needed to be dedicated toward it and how much money it's going to cost, as well as all of the varieties of payment plans that are possible for them. And I spell out for them, I will not waste your time. I also won't waste mine. So if I see you're not doing your work or you're not benefiting from this process, either or, I will dismiss you. I like that. I I didn't want to have to get to 76 and just get that lesson. I didn't want to have to get to the later part of my career and get fed up with the way I had spent my time. And I thought, if I can get there now, maybe my clients will get more out of this. I think that's important because everybody wants, I'll say, instant or very quick signs that there's progress. Mm -hmm. And that means it being measured and it being able or a person being able to see growth or see change. And I think this is key for the people who are the avoiders, the people pleasers, because they're not used to that. They're used to seeing other people get that in their lives, not themselves. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes in and you have someone who's more 
I'll say along that line of the people pleaser, I would imagine two things can occur for them. Fear that all of a sudden things are going to start happening for them. And then I bet eventually, Kelly, that it turns to excitement and energy. Yeah. Because once they start seeing the results, the productivity change, and they can see the benefit of it or the growth from it, whether it's financial or relationships or career starting to enjoy it, this has to be emotional as well. Hugely. You're bringing up people pleasers and what goes hand in hand with people pleasing is perfection qualities. Yeah. And I don't know that I've had anyone walk through the door who was a people pleaser that wasn't or didn't have perfection qualities. And so when you say that fear is a component, I will go through certain activities and ask them different questions. And I will say, remember, there's no wrong answer to this. And you can see the disbelief in their face. You can see them waiting to say, ha just kidding. That was wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They want to know that their progress is perfect at that point. And part of the process is actually breaking down options, breaking down choices to show them that what's right and wrong is their decision-making process, hmm. not the decision itself. Okay. And that all comes back to intention, but that's a bigger conversation. Well... Just a week ago, we did a podcast about F.J. McElligot High School and a fixed mindset. Yeah. And a closed or open mindset, a fixed versus closed. So what I'm hearing in life coaching is that you take some people or maybe all clients from a fixed mindset to whatever it is that they feel is blocking them. Mm -hmm. And you teach them and give them the tools to come through processes and awareness to an open mindset. Yeah, that's okay. the intention. And it's exhausting. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that. It's exhausting that. for you or for them or for both of you? Potentially both, definitely them. Okay. It's an exhausting process if you don't have a foundation of tools, which many of us don't or right. don't come into coaching with those foundational tools. And it's exhausting implementing them as well, because sometimes we don't have the proper support system in place. And so we do talk about finding that or creating it before we implement new tools. Because if you're implementing new tools with abusive people, you're spinning your wheels. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to feel like a success, even though the tools are in your back pocket. No one's letting you build. I totally understand that. I know you do. I have lived that so many times in so many situations, personally and professionally, because of people with fixed mindsets. Mm -hmm. And the reason that I bring this up is because you said it that it probably goes from Mm -hmm. fearful to excited. And yes, there's potential for that. That's the whole intention is to get them pumped up, excited for their own progress and be able to celebrate that. Uh, and recognize it in the first place, but it is exhausting. And I don't think people anticipate that part. I think they think they're going to have revelations and it's just going to be easy. Like they're finding out a secret that's just going to be, you know, perfectly fitting in their pocket and they can just carry it around with them. And tools are meant to be used. They're not meant to be carried. Well, it's like they think there's a magic wand that, that other people are all of a sudden going to grow their awareness around their own behavior and change. So that I don't have to do my work. Mm-hmm. I And I see this a lot in treatments. I'm sure you do in treatments and in life coaching. 
where people are seeking change, but they actually want it to be in the people around them. Right. They don't really, or they work very hard, they exert all their energy in a lifetime trying to get the other people, their husband, the wife, the kids, the boss, the clients, whatever, everyone else to do the changing. Yeah. And I, actually, it's it's neat that you bring this up because I have a couple different examples floating in my head right now. I turned a client down for a number of reasons. This one person in particular, she had a very obnoxious personality, very combative. Sorry, the combativeness was the obnoxious part of her personality. And when she wanted to sign up for coaching or, or it was her intention to proceed with it, we went through the assessment and she just said, Uh, A big area of my life that I'm unhappy with is my marriage and my my child. I work at home, but they don't really facilitate a work environment at home. So she's constantly interrupted, which means she's constantly sabotaged at her career. And she approached me because she wanted business coaching. But she proceeded to tell me that she'd been in this job for over 30 years, but that she just felt the stress of everything piled on her and not being able to work to her her productivity level that she knew she was capable of because of her environment at home. And then she proceeded to tell me that she didn't want to talk about her family in coaching. She just wanted business coaching. And I said, I'm, I'm not willing to take you on as a client. This is a major component. It sounds like you have the skills to do your job, but you don't have the environment, but you don't want to talk about that. So if you're not willing to address the real issue, I'm not willing to coach you. Do they call that the elephant in the room? Mm-hmm. But she pointed it out and said, now let's not talk about it. Right. Well, there's sabotage pattern right there. Herself and letting them sabotage her too. Right. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is because she wanted their behaviors to change. She didn't want to address how she needed to change in those interactions. And that's impossible. And then actually earlier today, I had a session with someone who just wanted additional time. So she's gone through a six session program. She's completed it. It's been about a month and a half. She messaged me not too long ago and said, can we just do a follow up? There are certain situations that just came up in my life that I need some tools for. So she's got the foundations because of what we've done together. And she emailed me her list of concerns that she wanted to address. And one of the things sorry, the major thing was dealing with the fact that her dad was coming to visit that she didn't consent to. She lives with her sister. The sister said yes. And he's highly abusive to both of them verbally. Crosses their boundaries in all kinds of ways. And she wanted the confidence to deal with him. She wanted the strength to be able to stand up for herself. She wanted to know what ways she was allowed to stand up for herself. And she also mentioned that she wanted to never put herself in this situation again. And I thought the way that she proposed her session was really interesting because I had to say to her, I can equip you with the tools, but you're not going to be able to use them. So I don't want you to waste your time or your money. Here are the tools that you've been given so far in the six sessions. I can reinstate them right now, but you're going to be brick walled. And if I don't inform you of that, you're going to walk away thinking that you failed using them. Oh, Kelly, that's so important for her to know the difference. Yes. And that's a perfect example of when no contact Mm -hmm. is the best, healthiest solution. But if somebody is crossing your boundaries and you're in a situation where you're not allowed to enforce no contact, 
then it's so very important to still remember that while we're in that experience to do what we can for ourselves. But like you said, to understand that in her in her situation, that it's not a lack of knowing better. And it's not a lack of her own effort. eh? That's, mm-hmm. that's really, really important that you said that to her. Yeah. And I mean, he, the father, we've properly assessed over our time together. So I knew that that was his character. It wasn't just, a, yeah. you know, based off of one one sentence that she mentioned about him. And I, I said to her, you do have the option to stick around while he comes to visit. If you need to practice your nose, if you need to practice walking out of the room, leaving the apartment, if you need to practice all of the tools and feel good doing those things, have at her. But you're probably going to feel exhausted each time you have to come back or you're going to increase your amount of anxiety, your nightmares, your sleeplessness, your shortness of patience, etc. <laughs> and so I just said to her, remember that you have other options. If you don't want to lose Um, It was a sister that was coming to visit as well, a second sister with the dad. And I said, if you're afraid of losing the other relationship with your sister, could you ask her to do something outside of the house? Could you stay in a hotel and invite your sister out for dinner? Could you, you know, actually she came up with the ultimate solution that she decided on. And that was she was going to invite her sister out that night for dinner. She was going to stay at a hotel. And then the next day she was going to skip town and go visit her mom. Mm. And I said, and how, what, you know, how do those options make you feel? I like the fact that you're just saying that she at least went from the fixed mindset to the open mindset or growth that she, you and her talked and decided that there were other choices. In 15 minutes, she had a different solution for herself versus the two weeks she spent waking up in the middle of the night, having panic attacks and nightmares. And all of the years prior to that, where as a family unit, we don't allow each other to see other choices correct and often we know there are other choices for our siblings or parents or grandchildren or whoever we know they have them and we don't want them to know about them right because we want to keep a unit together for the sake of public looking and I'll say for who really because who in the public even is looking at other families anymore there's so much narcissism. People are just looking within themselves nowadays. Or at the Kardashians. Sure. Yeah. At the t- TV celebrities versus just your people in your own community. Mm-hmm. But having said that, there still are groups of people that sit within a circle of friends and don't judge each other. And then there are those that do. Absolutely. So that's also around an assessment of, How many people in my area and in my life do I surround myself with that are unhealthy? Mm -hmm. And so I'm hearing that you're helping her assess that. Yeah. And I want to come back to the original point that you made, because this was my second example when you said that most people want others to change, Mm -hmm. even though they want their situation to change. They're Mm -hmm. not willing to do it themselves. This, This example that we used was a client who had tools, who had acquired them for herself, And I just said, if you need to practice for you, go ahead, but know that you're not going to change the way he thinks and the way he feels because he's shown no indication of desire for change. So don't go in on a high horse thinking you're going to teach someone a lesson here. No, I heard that you said acceptance. Yes. This is where people say, just let it go. Yeah. And and I would say that's a perfect example of someone who's letting it go. Because she's got the tools, 
She can identify the situation. She can see choices. She can make different ones and does. Yeah, and I want to point out to you, I like that you brought up a cliche, a cliche that I, in fact, hate. Saying let it go requires you to know what it is you're letting go of. So if you're in a bad relationship with your father, for example, and you're saying to yourself, I'm just going to let it go, that doesn't mean that you necessarily show up at dinner every week anyway, that you just let the comments slide off your back. You identify what the abuse is, where the abuse is, how you're participating it, how you're perpetuating it, and then decide when you're going to take your exit. That's letting go. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. And what was wonderful about that session, the follow-up, is that I I chose to spend, and and I do choose to spend a lot of time with my clients, celebrating their strengths or reminding them of their strengths so as as we went through that list of tools that I know she already had from coaching just got to remind and reinforce her that she already knew how to use them and that she just had to go ahead and then celebrating and by saying as you you know as you carry through your weekend feel free to email me to celebrate whatever decisions that you make so that you feel strengthened so that you feel like you're you're being healthy for yourself mm-hmm you're talking about breaking patterns Mm -hmm. and generational patterns Mm -hmm. where older generations believe things like old cliches like a family is a family blood is thicker than water yeah I'm allowed to do anything to you I'm your mother I'm allowed to treat you any way I want I'm your father yeah You, you can't complain you have no right to be an adult you have no right to see things differently than me Mm-hmm. And it's it's not just breaking the pattern itself, it's understanding what the underlying belief system is first. Well, that's why I said a bunch of them. Yeah, and then it's figuring out how that belief system plays out in your life, consciously or subconsciously. I like how people can hear this and think that's what life coaching is. Yeah. That's what it can do. So if you're sitting down with a girlfriend or a guy friend, And the conversation is the same every time you have pizza and wings or every time you go curling. And it comes down to the very same types of conversations where they go back to the anger, the frustration about the boyfriend, the father, the mother, whatever it is, the wife, whatever it is, that instead of just sitting there and listening to it month after month, year after year, that somebody might say, hey, Sounds like you need life coaching. Sounds like you need to change from a fixed mindset to an open. Sounds like we're just offering something other than, mm-hmm. Well, I, and I think it's neat that you bring this up. You're saying that you're offering to the friend, sounds like you need life coaching. And I would argue that that person themselves who is staying in that relationship, allowing the cycle to continue by maybe nodding their head or staying silent is the one that needs the coaching as well. Oh, I, I agree. I, I'm just inviting people to be to step it up. And I'm spelling it out. Yes, I'm spelling it out. And for for another example that I was just thinking of when you brought up the other point about other people changing, I had a woman in here today, and she has coworkers who complain incessantly, uh, who have passive aggressive tendencies. And she would be a prime example of someone who could say to a coworker, you need life coaching. However, she has her butt in my chair saying, what kind of questions can I ask them? How can I, how can I interact with them on a daily basis? If they're not going to change, how do I implement my own and how do I make that permanent? 
Kelly Life Coaching, without a doubt, increases people's emotional intelligence. Because without a doubt, what you're doing is, is that you're asking them a different set of questions than they normally get asked by themselves or by a lot of other people in their lives. Life coaching with me, without a doubt, offers people emotional intelligence. And I want to be clear about that because when I took my certification, nowhere in there did it require emotional intelligence. It taught me different sections about how to help people budget how to work on basic financial strategies, how to communicate with partners if you are choosing to parent together, how to conduct yourself in a work environment. It did not ask or require me to understand how to stretch your mind in those ways. So you could very well go to a nutritional life coach who just talks about micro and macronutrients and how to increase, you know, a good, healthy physical lifestyle where you don't have to challenge anything in terms of evaluating emotions. Mm. And that's not to sell or boost myself. That's to make sure I'm not misrepresenting a general certification for life coaching. Right. Those are things that I chose to be educated on and choose to incorporate in my programs. Well, I can see that even in terms of or also in terms of that you do the same thing with medium, Mm -hmm. that you bring emotional intelligence into the messages, that you do it in all different aspects of your life. Thank you. And I won't take credit for the medium medical intuitive psychic aspect because that is the guides channeling it. Right. So, and I, you can chime in here, but. Oh, but Kelly, wait a second. That is the guides doing it. But if I think of other people that do medium and stuff, they don't have messages the same way that we do. So are you saying that our, our guides have more emotional intelligence or do they know that you and I do and that we are able to verbalize it and process it and give it to the client. You know what? I think that is an excellent opportunity for debate. I don't know if that's another podcast. You can decide that for yourself because not all mediums are empaths mm-hmm. and empathic abilities are all about emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. knowing how you connect and disconnect from others. So I can't speak on behalf of mediums who are not empaths. Mm-hmm or medical intuitives who aren't also empaths. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of things happening at once there. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like that point, though. Yeah, I do, too. I like that you brought that up. Well, because it comes up in all kinds of ways that you interact with your clients through all of the different gifts that you have and different certifications, whether, whether they're the gift part or the educational component okay from a system well this is neat i'm I'm continuing to think about the point that you just made because you said are our guides more emotionally intelligent i would say no because i think they're all equally however how i've chosen to educate myself personally and and you as well i think i can speak on your behalf I know the titles of books. I know the authors. I have educated myself on a human level. So when the guides stand in front of me and flash a book cover, I can go, oh, I know what that is. Instead of having to go, I don't know, they're showing me a book as a tool, but I'm not sure what it is and I don't interpret messages. Right. I just see Susan Forward's name flash, you know, flash by me. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many book names flash past me and then gone and got the book and read it. Yep. So that I know how to refer the client to the book. Mm-hmm. You and I do that constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a constant growth 
Absolutely. And I think what I constantly hear about the life coaching is that you challenge people that even once they're gone, that with the tools, they get to keep implementing those tools and constantly look for more. Yeah. That's something I'm learning about life in general, is that if I'm hitting a wall on anything, emotionally, financially, in any way, there's another tool. Well, it's like saying I only color with purple. And I know how to shade and contour and, you know, do shadows and lightness, but just with purple. Right. I liken it to having a hammer to build a house. Well, yeah. And you've used that multiple times. Yes. One of the areas that I'm really loving in coaching is business coaching, because I know there are brilliant people in the city who have structure and strategy on how to build a business from the ground up. And I think they're great and I refer to them. However, however, I love bringing the emotional intelligence into business coaching. Because if you're not asking yourself how you want to feel when you're starting a business, it's one of the most exhausting things you're ever going to do, just running the business all on its own. Mm -hmm. And so not being able to navigate what it is you're doing and why it is you're doing it, you're, you're running on fumes at some point and probably quite early on. Well... And I think about the partners who may have a partner or a friend or a sibling that runs a business mm -hmm. and sees their emotional exhaustion all the time mm -hmm. and may not know, gee, they need a, a life coach that yeah. can do business coaching, mm -hmm. even if they are financially successful. Yeah, because you can know your business inside out in terms of products and services and all of your, you know, your numbers and your net worth. But if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing on an emotional level, if you don't know what kind of legacy you want to leave, wherever that legacy may be, how do you stay inspired? How do you stay motivated to be better or do better? I like what you said about the legacy because the legacy doesn't just mean the amount of money I left in the bank. Right. It can be the emotional state of my children, the emotional state or the happiness of my spouse mm -hmm. or a partner or my friend group mm -hmm. or my, how about my employees? Yeah. And I think too, and this is something I think a lot of people have difficulty transitioning out of is the legacy in terms of the reputation of the business when it's bought or sold to a different owner and the legacy dies Hmm. Or the legacy lives in the memory, but the new owner doesn't carry it on. Oh, well, we've seen that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, within our own family. Yeah. So Kelly, is there an assessment process? And if I'm nervous to even initiate talking to you as a life coach, what do I, like, how do I get past that? So many questions on, on all at once. Um, there is an assessment process. It's the intake that allows me actually to assess whether or not your needs are within my realm of, of expertise. So if it's beyond that, we sort of, we, well, we end it there. We don't sort of end it. And I refer you to uh, a different professional who can meet your needs. So I might have needs to be actually in therapy. 
and actually that's another example of something that I've done. I've said to someone, I can compliment some, some services that you do need. However, you would be best suited uh, with actually Susan Forward or Patricia Evans. If money is an issue for you, I would highly recommend putting it there first. Mm. And she okay. emailed me back about three days later and because I just followed up and said, you know, how are you doing? Just checking in. And she said uh, that she'd booked her appointment <gasps> and she was so excited to start with them. I can't remember which one she chose. And she said, I'd, lo- I'd love to touch base with you when I finish my therapy. And I just said, I'll wait to hear from you. Congratulations. I'm so proud. I am so excited for you as a life coach, as Kelly Sarlow, to work with clients who have gone through therapy yeah. with Susan Forward or Patricia Evans yeah. and and people at that level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To see the change, to see the tools that they're going to get and how fast their lives can spin in the right direction mm-hmm. with proper educational tools. Mm. So good. Thanks. Um, so the assessment, like I said, it's just for me to assess whether or not I can I can handle taking you on. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't do anything that's uh, above above my head. But I always tell people you're interviewing me. So whatever nerves you had, this isn't like a job that you can get or not get. This is where you're sitting down just figuring out if you're even comfortable looking at me. If you're comfortable hearing my voice, if you're comfortable being in the room, in the house. They're just maybe really trying to assess all of their different senses mm-hmm. as to whether or not they're going to want to return. Because if that's an uncomfortable experience for them, I just might not be the right fit. Yeah. And that's okay. Well, and I've seen you do the life coaching uh, by Skype, FaceTime, and telephone too. So mm-hmm. I know that some people, even if they are right within the same city as you, can still choose not to be present in the house. They can yeah. stay in their own homes, yep. in their own offices or their own kitchen, sit down with their iPad or telephone and put it on speakerphone and go ahead and go through that interview process and the sessions. Yeah, I do okay. encourage that if you are local, that you show up physically if you can, simply because of the physical movement that it demands of you. If you're in coaching, you're probably wanting movement in your life anyway. So in a very symbolic kind of way, getting ready for an appointment, showing up on time, they're all things that hold you accountable and put you into a different mindset. And that that in and of itself may be a block that's holding you back and is a pattern throughout your life. I think that's cool. Because even if you are in a wheelchair and cannot move out of your apartment, you can still move into a different room. You can still get dressed up for it. Yes. And you I can still brush your teeth yeah. and get your pen and paper or order them and have them delivered. But as I think what you said was the excitement, the getting ready, the changing of a pattern and of a habit, perhaps, or a laziness yeah. or a sabotage and all of those small things like brushing your teeth changing moving into a new room all of it one of the most memorable moments of my university career was children's lit and we study heroes in different books uh, or the protagonist and in every single book that we read there was uh, what did they call it like an an armor scene where they put their armor on or they dress up so superhero puts their costume or their their identity on Um, And even in any movies that you see when that protagonist gets their confidence back, there's a dressing scene. 
And that is a huge movement forward to put your mind frame in a completely different place than where it was. And so keeping those regular appointments with coaching, whether it's, you know, in a wheelchair and you're putting a blazer on or you're getting out your good pen and pencil or whatever that is, it just it moves you forward. Oh, I really like that. Mm-hmm. That it's, excites me to yeah, hear that. It's momentum, which is excitement. Yeah. So anyway, back to the assessment process. Uh, any nerves, like they're very normal. You're answering questions that are very personal. I'm asking you to divulge details about the things that cause you distress. And I always tell people you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. Obviously, more helps me to help you. But it's still your right to protect your own self and your own privacy and when you're ready you can divulge more and that's just fine well again that's teaching people the emotional intelligence of process Mm -hmm. and healthy control Mm -hmm. in a relationship so now you take that kind of a conversation and go on a date you take that kind of a conversation and you go into a workforce where a boss wants to know why you're sick or wants to know something and you get to decide what's healthy and what is appropriate to say or not to say. Mm-hmm. The only other part of the assessment that I've really seen people get their get their nerves up, I guess, is uh, when we go through and ask the question uh, about their sexual orientation and about their gender. And I think a lot of people don't really understand, which I, I do find surprising in this day and age. I have to ask those questions to know who or how you identify yourself. So, and and I do ask, do you identify as male, female, or neither? Um, Because I'm always open that if there are new terms coming up all the time, there may be, you know. Could be both, I guess, too, eh, Kelly? Yes. Because I realize as I'm learning more about open mindsets to, well, I told you I've been listening to some podcast shows on pleasure mechanics Mm -hmm. in order to be able to understand um, that people can identify as one, the other, neither, or both. Yeah, and that you have to go back and forth and ask or other. And so that is a question that I ask. So a lot of people will say, you know, I identify as female. The follow up question is, does has that ever caused you distress? Mm. And I think a lot of people do experience confusion and just say, well, what do you mean? Have you ever wished that you were not female? And I do say other than, you know, perhaps for a brief period in childhood where it was inconvenient to be a female and they, they'll joke and they'll, they'll just say, you know, I, you know, I'd love to pee in a snowbank. Um, but I, what I mean is actual distress yeah. where you feel like you, the body dysmorphic, where you don't feel like you belong in the body itself. Right. Yeah. Um, so I do ask those questions and some people say, you know, I've never had distress about it. Or yeah, I did have a brief period of distress, but no longer. Or if it's current, then we discuss uh, where to go from there. Same with sexual orientation. Some people identify as straight, bisexual, asexual. There's a number of different options. And again, the question is, has it ever caused you distress? And I do ask because some people will say that they're bi, but they're in a relationship with a male if they're female. And that they don't feel like they're missing out anymore. Mm -hmm. They may have chosen to settle down in a way and they don't feel distress or they may. They may be in a relationship and trying to figure out why they feel distressed. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of follow-up questions to the assessment mm-hmm. that just helps me understand where the client's at. And this is one of the hard parts, and I said this before, a lot of clients don't or can't comprehend just yet that there's no judgment in their answers. Yeah, that's fair. To know that an assessment or me writing something down isn't a judgment, it's just for my memory. Yeah. And out of courtesy, out of kindness of wanting to be able to address them properly. 100%. 
out of uh, an intention to to check in with them to see how they're feeling. Yeah. And I th- it's good. I'm s- I, I think part of the reason I wanted to ask you about life coaching and to do this today is for people to really hear about personality mm-hmm. that goes with the gifts, that goes with the education that you have, that goes with a number of things that create you to be who you are as that person in the job. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, it was my intention. The, the other thing that I was thinking about just as I was bringing up the gender and sexual orientation was uh, when people say, you know, they're talking about their, their parents and they'll say, but I don't refer to him as dad. I refer mm. to him as Harvey. Okay. Then I don't ever go forward and say, your dad. I say right. Harvey. Because there is, there is such a level of respect in your process yeah, yeah. that if or should you ever decide that you'd like to call him dad again, you can let me know. Yeah. But I won't move that until you are comfortable with that title. Now, if people are listening to this and think, well, holy crap, Kelly's talking about that in this situation. But do I do that in my own life with my partner when mm-hmm. I know he doesn't like his dad? Yes. Yeah. Part of life coaching allows you to know how to implement those tools that I'm where I'm speaking to you a certain way. You're learning to cue other people and ask that other people speak to you in that same type of respect or with that same type of respect yeah it's good it's growth everywhere yeah I find the life coaching sessions energizing yeah that's good I'm glad that you do thanks and I would imagine that even though that it's work and I try to explain this to people not that I'm life coaching like you but that when we work on ourselves and our awareness it can feel tiring Mm-hmm. It can feel exhausting, but it can feel good. It can feel yeah. gratifying and it can create an energy that ends up snowballing that you feel more of that and less of the heaviness, sluggishness, depression mm-hmm. and anxiety. I see a big wall in front of me and it's just like sometimes you sit there and you have a chisel and you chisel for the whole hour and you see this tiny little crack of sunshine in the wall and I can come out feeling exhausted. Yes, but it's like. God damn it, I can see that crack of sun. I'm mm-hmm. so excited for session two. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a range of emotions, and I think they're all healthy for both parties involved. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, if anyone has any questions, uh-huh, I caught you. <laughs> this is my Cause, line. Because we're flipping it today, so I hope I'm going to get this right. But if anybody has any questions... Um, they can certainly reach us at info at at the website. And we hope that you have a wonderful Saturday.